Hello everyone, it's Richard C. Wilson here from the Family Office Club. Today we are hosting a one-liner live pitch webinar. So what we're going to be doing is reading off one-liners from 25 charter members in the Family Office Club and giving a quick review of just what an initial impression from an investor may be who sees thousands of deals a year. Um, I invest in a few deals a year myself. I have 117 clients I represent that under contract, I'm getting paid basically a performance fee on the deals that they invest in through me. We've closed on four investment commitments since the virus pandemic uh, began. And those are in real estate, alternative investments and operating uh, company investments are the types that we look at with our clients. So that's the perspective I'm coming from. I've also been running the family office club for the past 13 years, and I've met 2,500 family offices in person, I've had a thousand investors speak on stage at our events. So uh, what I hear them complain about or talk about and all the 40,000 people a year talking to my team and how those deals look is where the perspective is coming from uh, while sharing these thoughts here today. So sometimes we do a full Q&A webinar and all we do is take questions from you. Sometimes I do 50 minutes of content and I'll stay and answer questions for a full hour afterwards. Today, I have a hard stop exactly at an hour, and it's going to be a miracle if we get through these 25 pitches in that, that one hour. So we're really not going to have too much time for Q&A, but I want to evaluate these one-liners in a way that's going to be helpful for everybody who's listening here. I also want to start at the top by just letting you know that the best one-liners we see are ones that are tangible. They have verifiable information. It's stuff that nobody else is saying or no one else can say. It's dialed into your strengths and what you do that's unique and valuable, what investors want and where there's a gap and what they're wanting and no one's providing, and what competitors are, are not filling a need for in the marketplace. You can fill that gap. Things that are dialed into your exact investor type, um, something that explains what you do, how you do it, or why someone should work with you. And in combination with your brand, make all of that very clear, compelling, and unique. The worst ones are ones that are boring, average, plain, confusing, drive people away. It sounds like everyone else uh, doesn't make sense or it's not really clear what extra value you're adding. And we'll go through and give a bunch of examples of that uh, right now here on the webinar. So let me share my PowerPoint so you guys can follow along and see the one-liners if you're watching this visually. All right. So to start with here, we're going to go over um, one here by Robert, and his one-liner is from Biosculpture Technology, um, and it is Biosculpture Technology's patented minimally invasive treatment of obesity and type 2 diabetes has the potential of doing for obesity management what LASIK did for vision correction. Um, and what I first noticed about this one is that the logo of it is looks like a spine. Um, so when I saw it was medical related and it looked like the shape of a spine to me, I thought it was something related to spinal technology, like a biotech device or something. Uh, it's not, it seems like a treatment for obesity and diabetes. So that's misleading. The logo looks like someone took time in PowerPoint to do something that had some shaded letters, but it really does not look 100% um, institutional quality. So I would get that dialed in. And just at the start here, it's not going to help anyone to sugarcoat it and say, good job, Robert, and move on to the next one. The point is to help people improve. And if your logo is at this quality, you need to improve yours too. We all have things we need to improve on, including myself. So 
I would say that um, the logo should be changed by reading the brand name. I don't know exactly what you do, but maybe there's multiple things you're going to be doing over time. So you don't want a name that's too specific. In terms of the actual one-liner, um, it's great that you say exactly what the, the treatment does and what it treats and how you're saying it's basically similar to what LASIK did for vision. But I think it could be made stronger by focusing on something else that's strong. So you talk about your patented treatment. Um, you know, do you have seven patents or 42 patents? Um, is this something where you have a 12 person team in place already? Or is somebody joining 15 other investors and supporting your organization? I try to find some other credible number to put in there, if not two different numbers to show momentum in what you're doing. All right, the next one here is from Hercules Investments, uh, Joe. One of the top performing hedge fund strategies in the world that's produced high double digit and triple digit returns in 2020 without taking directional bets is hedged 100% liquid and has less risk than an individual stock. Um, I recognize you, Joe, from uh, doing our member spotlight interview. Uh, so if anyone wants to learn more about Joe, um, they can see that video on YouTube or our podcast or in the members area. Um, in terms of it, the actual the claims here, I would say that because it is performing so well, people might say, well, are, is the investment size small? Um, or, you know, I like how it say, it's, says it's 100% hedged and it typically would have less risk than an individual stock because people are gonna think maybe higher risk for those higher returns. But I might, might also think this must be an emerging manager, um, which is of a smaller size. And if that is the truth, then there's no getting around that. Maybe it, and I don't know, you know, Joe, if you're managing 300 million or 3 million or 300,000, but uh, if it is the truth, then like we talked about on our investment structures webinar, um, perhaps wearing that on the sleeve and having performance fee only or some sort of fee structure which aligns you uh, with the investor who's taking an investment into an early stage emerging manager and someone who's not managing 50 million, 70 million plus is where people start to see a business is truly sustainable. A lot of people sustain at 25, 30 million. But once things get closer to 100 and have the momentum to get to 100 million in AUM, they know you're not going to close up shop and, uh, and go away because you have enough momentum to have a real solid business there and a real team. From Leo, uh, Michael, 20% average annual returns, one year live hedge fund trading record. Um, you know, it, essentially, it seems that this is a, a really early stage product and I get how it could be very challenging to to market that. Going into hedge fund strategies and saying what type of strategy you offer could help because a sophisticated investor might like an options call strategy if they understand what that is versus a global macro arbitrage strategy. Um, so if you think that mentioning your strategy would help, I would put the name of the strategy there. Otherwise, what is your edge? How are you producing a 20% annual return? What's your creation story and what's your strength? Like what, what, benefit is there of someone investing with you and why are you going to be able to sustain those types of returns through the volatility we have right now or through a correction. Uh, I don't see much of that in here. So I think, I think it falls a little bit flat in making someone lean forward and really get to want to learn more. Uh, Rebar Capital, Ken Mulford, acquiring and developing workforce and affordable housing and opportunity zones in the southeastern U.S. So Appreciate you submitting this one, Ken. There's a lot of multifamily uh, groups out there. Not everyone's focused on workforce, but you know a good chunk of them are. So the opportunity zone part, 
separates you from 80% of multifamily groups out there. I think that um, a lot of them aren't aware, haven't done all the homework to structure things to take advantage of opportunity zones. So that does separate you uh, a bit. But besides that, you're saying we invest in the southeast part of the US, but if the investor you're talking to is in the southeastern US, maybe everyone they talk to is investing in that area as well. And then you're saying we're acquiring and developing workforce and affordable housing. That part's just descriptive, but doesn't say anything unique about how you do it. So I would look to add things here related to the number of years you've been doing it, the number of properties you've closed on. Lots of people talk about the number of doors they have under management, or you know, we have acquired 12,800 doors of you know, workforce and affordable housing, or um, 122 investors have taken advantage of our you know, investments in workforce housing using opportunity zones and other tax efficient structures. Um, which brings up actually, if you're trying to attract investors because of opportunity zones, maybe another set of investors would be interested in accelerated depreciation on the improvements you do on workforce housing and some of the other tax efficient strategies. And maybe they don't have capital gains that could be protected by opportunity zones, but could still you know, uh, have a tax efficient investment with you in one of three other ways. So I would, I would consider that. Um, because I think that there's very few multifamily groups out there that in their one liner, um, I've only seen one out of, I know at least 180 of them uh, that have come through the family office club over the last decade. And um, I've only seen one of them talk about tax efficiency in their one liner. Most people don't even have a real well dialed in one liner. And the reason we're going through all of these uh, before I move on the one liners is that again and again on stage, we hear investors say, that you have 15 seconds to get their attention, the first sentence of your voicemail, the first line of your email, or the subject line of your email. Um, sometimes just the front page or two of your pitch deck, what's the top of your teaser or one pager that comes in, what's the title of the webinar that you're doing for them. Those are the things that are gonna determine whether somebody actually wants to invest the time and energy into getting to know you better. So I think that no one has time to read the essay long email. If you write two paragraphs on what makes you unique and interesting and compelling, far less people are gonna read that. If you have one sentence or just a one liner, then that could get someone to lean forward and you might get five times the number of people reading that full one sentence than reading your two paragraphs. And this costs absolutely nothing to do. Everybody should have a one liner. There's no excuse not to. If you don't, then you haven't heard that you need one or you don't take your business seriously because there's no cost to doing it besides your own time and intentionality of why you're relevant to your core and target investor set. Here's a Paul Edelman from Edelman and Associates. I am a coach and consultant to financially successful individuals, their families, family advisors, uh, their families, advisors, and family offices. Okay, so I think Paul on this one, in terms of being a coach or a consultant, I'm guessing if you're coaching and consulting that you're not just doing life coaching, you're probably doing either investment coaching or business coaching. Um, but I don't know what type of coach or consultant you are. Um, I don't know if you started being a coach yesterday. I don't know the results that your clients are getting by coaching with you. Um, I'm not sure what you have done in the past that allows you to be an excellent coach now. Like a, I'm a previous Fortune 500 CEO who you know coaches, 25 clients at a time uh, that are family offices, investors, et cetera, in XYZ. Or I am a coach 
who helps my family office clients, you know, dial in their passive real estate investment strategies based on my 30 years experience, you know, working at BlackRock or, or whatever. Um, so I think the type of coaching, the results you could get, number of years you've been doing it for, uh, the credibility points so that when your target audience hears what you do, you hit them between the eyes with something so targeted that they don't know anyone else that is doing something like that. And I always like to give examples of how we're not just telling you guys to do this without doing it ourselves. We're always trying to design things that are hitting someone right between the eyes with something helpful. So pitchtext.com is too expensive for most people that are charter members because it's 2,500 a month to 10,000 a month retainers to do all of your marketing materials, your logo, branding, et cetera. Um, but we created pitchtext.com as the name of it because we know that anyone raising capital thinks that, well, I have to have a pitch deck to go raise capital or like 95% of people do. It's the common word. And so we were going to call it something else and we got this domain name and we're able to brand it around something that's a commonality of people saying, oh yeah, I need a pitch deck. Well, you also need a lot more than that. You need a one-liner, a logo, a website, live chat, your CRM dialed in, email follow-up sequence, thought leadership, your own podcast, et cetera. Um, but it's a foot in the door strategy and it's really dialed in to our target market. Same on the investor side with Doctors Family Office. Uh, we have that live at doctorsfamilyoffice.com. You know, if you're a dentist or a doctor, we help you with direct investments just for dentists and doctors. We don't do the traditional wealth management. A lot of people do that, and a few of them focus on dentists and doctors. But on the direct investment side, we really don't see uh, much competition there. So if you are a dentist or doctor, you've probably never heard of someone who's specialized to help you as much. Same with a chance here, coaching a very specific type of person on a specific type of headache. If you look like Excedrin and they have a migraine, they want to reach out and, and engage with you, Paul. So I just think, you know, you don't want to say I'm a headache medicine for successful individuals and their families and family offices. You want to say I'm arthritis and I help people with arthritis who are ultra wealthy, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever your niche solution is on real estate or success coaching, et cetera. Um, I'm, I, I wasn't in a frat. I was at a, a university, a state university for my undergrad. Uh, it seemed like everyone but me was in a frat, so I'm not smart enough to read these Greek letters here at the top. So I think that's one thing that, that could hold the, uh, the branding back. I, I do see it spelled out below now. Uh, Axios Investments Corporation uh, from Nicholas. The new $100 billion industry emerging from the COVID-19 crisis. So... The one-liner says the new $100 billion industry emerging from the COVID-19 crisis. Um, they're going to think that your firm is probably new. They don't know what you do in that new industry. Um, they're going to have a guess that you're probably doing face masks or some sort of sanitization or something related to treatments, uh, et cetera. And maybe that's your point. Maybe you just want them to lean forward and be like, oh, this is something timely, something that you know we might be able to get involved with. I think that most investors would like to invest with someone right now who has something relevant in the crisis but existed before. And if that's the case with you, Nicholas, then I would uh, talk about your X number of people on your team or number of years in business or um, talk about how you're involved. Because I get messages on LinkedIn daily from someone saying they've got a vaccine, they've got this therapeutical treatment, and it scares me uh, how many investors are putting money into some vaccine lottery ticket right now that's not with a credible firm that's very well established 
Um, you know, one group actually was just trying to do something pro bono, but it looked so ridiculously uncredible. It made no sense. And they basically wanted me to get investors to put money into this nonprofit pro bono idea that was super unorganized looking and not professional and wasn't well established. And I just think investors run the other direction from that. And you might have a hundred person team, Nicholas, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure. So I think just trying to figure that out. And if you are a new firm, then I would be hyper-specific because if it looks like there's not a focus and then they find out it's also a new firm without momentum yet and they're funding a startup and they don't know what's going to happen with the virus situation across many industries, then, you know, I think it could be a little bit tough. So personally, I wouldn't go for that. I think if you go for the curiosity factor, you are going to lose a certain percentage of people, but if you do it just right, you might, you might be much more engaging than almost all of your competition trying to raise capital. I'm not super good at writing one-liners that get the curiosity factor going with people. Uh, Eric Shelley, Freedom Energy Fund. We offer patented clean energy technology, cash flow investments, uncorrelated oil prices, and eligible for 100% tax deduction on ordinary income in year one. So Eric, this is my favorite one we've read so far today. When you talk about a 100% tax deduction on ordinary income, I can tell that you've been doing this for a while. This is not your first rodeo. I'd love to see what your logo looks like in combination with this. Um, but I like the name, Freedom Energy Fund. You know, people are people gravitate towards freedom. I also like how you don't just say tax efficient and you don't just say 100% tax deductible or saving on taxes because some people might think, oh, well, is that only on passive income or is that ordinary income or is it only on capital gains? And you make it very clear here most people fail to do that. As simple as that sounds, they fail, they fail to do that. Um, it's nice that you say that it's patented, so it's, it's protected. And um, this is something that honestly, the whole point of this is to rate these one-liners to give you feedback. Um, but honestly, I'm interested in learning more uh, about this just to be aware and do a better job for my 117 investors. So that's exactly what can happen when you have a really great one-liner and um, if you do have an opportunity that has the opportunity to be structured as tax efficient, then obviously that's gonna help with investors that say, oh, well, I owe the IRS $300,000 in taxes this year, but oh, if I invest 50,000 in this, I can have 50,000 written off. And I basically now gave money to this investment versus IRS and it might actually give me a, you know, let's say it doesn't give you any return or just give you a, a 2% return or 3% return it's even under inflation, well, you know, rather than losing the money to the IRS, it could be seen as attractive. I think these types of investments always need to be a real investment, a real need, a real uh, improvement being done, not just a tax shelter or seen or marketed as a tax shelter. Um, so you do have to be careful on that and maybe check with your compliance attorneys before waving around tax deductions too hardcore. Um, so definitely keep that in mind, but I think there's investor interest in things like that. All right, uh, for this one-liner by Dual City Investments, I don't even want to read it because it's not a one-liner. So I won't be that cruel. I uh, move on to the next slide without reading it. This is from Helen. I actually got to meet Helen, I think, in New York at her last event um, in March. And so I appreciate you submitting this. And I know you were helpful giving us the, um, some information on the self-storage space when I asked you about that. So I appreciate that as well. So happy to read this off, but it's far from a one-liner. So I would never use this as your one-liner no matter what I'm about to read. Dual City Investments is a five-year-old commercial real estate investor of stabilized properties and selective value-add properties, primarily in the southeastern part of the U.S. with over a dozen exits 
Currently, it has 50 million AUM and was named 117th Best Company by Entrepreneur Magazine in 2019. Dual City has never lost investor capital since inception, has been distributing monthly to investors, including the months since the nation has come under shelter in place and expect to continue thereafter. We pride ourselves in thriving in opportunities with investors through our conservative deal screening, investor-friendly terms, and ability to implement and pivot when and where required. Look forward to building relationships with new investors as we uncover new opportunities. All right, so this is great because I bet most people listening have a one-liner just like this, Helen. First of all, the last sentence, not needed at all. Everyone looks forward to building relationships with new investors. They know you do, they know that's what you want, so I'll just take that off. Never losing capital, definitely a good thing to be able to say. A five-year-old company when we've had such a bull market to date means a little bit less. If someone's been around for 10, 15, 20 years, that means a lot more. So you could still use that, but it doesn't have as much of a punch when it's a younger firm. 50 million in assets is respectable. I think that a lot of investment firms have five, $10 million, they get capital raised. The fact that you have $50 million in AUM is definitely much more credible than not losing someone's capital, even though the importance of not losing capital is more important than having 50 million. But uh, any five-year-old firm most likely has not lost much for any of uh, the firm's capital up until you know beginning of March, perhaps for a U.S.-based firm at least. Um, in terms of other things, I would I would add to this. It looks like you do all different types of commercial real estate because you're not ta talking about a specific type. It also looks like you invest in many different cities. There's all different strategies on focus of asset type and city. Um, personally, I like focusing on one city, one asset type, or one city, multiple asset types, um, or one asset type across a few limited cities. Um, if you're covering 18 cities, and if you only have 50 million in AUM, I'm guessing you just have a five or 10 person team, maybe, maybe less. Um, it can be hard to say, yeah, we cover six different types of commercial real estate in 18 different cities, and we're really, really good at it in all 18 cities. You know, I would put my money on someone eating your lunch if they're only focused on one of those cities and one asset class and they're looking at every deal in that scope and just really digging in and getting the best deal flow. But the, but the times when I'm completely wrong on that is when it's your, your value add process is so strong or you add energy efficiency and, and your competitors aren't doing that or you have um, a certain strategy